Praise the Lord, everyone. Good morning. I'm going to go ahead and get started on our lesson this morning. Everybody in church. I'm going to read a, a quick verse of Scripture. You don't have to stand. If you, you don't have to stand. You can just stay seated. Um, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. <clears throat> I didn't give them these, these scriptures, so or any of these scriptures, so you have your Bible, you can turn with me. I'll try to go a little slow um, so you can keep up with the reading. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, and it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers, fishers and he saith unto them, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And straightway left... And straightway they left their nets and followed him. And I just want to talk just a little bit about the three different dimensions of following following the Lord or teach a little bit a little bit on that. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to teach to your people. Help me to to teach this word. I'll touch every honest heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Um this passage of scripture had always uh has always intrigued me and I was in prayer and studying about it yesterday and the last couple of days. Um I thought that it was so so uh, so so interesting Every time I would read this passage of scripture, because I thought I was all, I had always thought that, man, what a uh, what a sudden thing to do for these men of God to or, or 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 these these men to drop everything that they are they are doing just to follow a man that they don't really really know, and it was just simply uh, two words that really did it, and it was it was Jesus approaching them and asking them to just follow follow him. Um, and so uh, it seems so straightforward, it seems so sudden, and it seems so very, very last minute. And so in my studies, I found an interesting thing in that there were about roughly 30 towns um, that surrounded the Sea of Galilee. And uh, did you know Calpurnium was actually the largest city uh, of those 30, 30 towns? And so they were all fishing fishing cities or fishing towns and and little villages that are scattered throughout there, and I, and I, I had always thought that Peter and Andrew, James and John, this verse of scripture, um, and that they didn't really know know Jesus from really the man on the moon. That he just randomly came up to them out of nowhere and asked them to uh, to follow him, and so. Um, in studying it, you find that Jesus actually grew up in in Calpurnium, um, and actually he, his his town is Cor- Corazon. Leave uh, them, um, and it was something that they uh, and I, I believe it was because they had gotten used to the miracles and used to being around Jesus and growing growing up around him. But that is another lesson uh, for another day, um, and so. Uh, he grew up in, in Capernaum. As a matter of fact, um, the father of James and John is Zebedee. And uh, Zebedee's wife, according to commentary, is Salome. Salome is believed to be the mother, the, 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 the sister of Mary, um, the mother of Jesus, which makes James and John his cousin. Did y'all know that? Some of y'all probably did. 
James and John were actually his cousins. And so actually when Jesus was on the cross and he asked John to take Mary as his, uh, to, to take care of Mary, um, um, his, his physical mother, it was, it was actually very appropriate because John was, was very much so re- related. That was Mary's nephew. And so um, if there were any men that knew a lot about the Lord, it was these, these four men that he called on that, on that faithful day. Um, as a matter of fact, if you read the, the Gospel of John, there are a lot of miracles that John recorded that was not recorded in the other synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, some of you remember the miracle when Jesus turned water into wine. John was the only one that recorded that because John was the part of the family of, of the wedding. And so only people who are close relatives get invited to the wedding. And so John was a relative, and he was part, part of the wedding. And you know how women get during a wedding. Everyone is just chaotic and frantic. And so uh, John got to witness all this happen. He writes about the Lord turning water into wine. That's actually the very first miracle that was written. But the Bible also says that, um, John also says that if all the miracles that the Lord did was written down in a book, he supposes that the world would not be big enough to contain everything that the Lord did. And so I believe these men experienced a lot of different things. They got to see a lot of things. They got to hear a lot of things pertaining to the kingdom of God long before uh, they were gone. And so in my, in my personal observation, in my personal opinion, John in particular saw a lot of things that the Lord did um, backstage that he didn't have time to uh, record. And so these men heard about Jesus, they saw Jesus, and at times they experienced Jesus, but they never truly followed, followed him. And, um, and so I wonder why that was, and, and a scripture came to my mind that says in John chapter 6 and verse 44, no, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent him. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And so the disciples uh, had some uh, recollection of Jesus, uh, but they were not yet called. And so I I begin to think about how I how I grew up my up my upbringing in uh, Catholicism, and you know a lot of different denominations out uh, uh, out there have some kind of recollection of what the Lord does. We all went to Sunday school, um, even in uh, uh, um, school. I knew a lot about the, the cross. I knew a lot about the resurrection. I knew a lot about the miracles that the Lord did. But, um, but simply knowing uh, about Him was not was not enough. Simply knowing about Him was not enough. And I, I knew Jesus to an extent, but I was still very much lost. And so the apostles knew about Jesus. They grew up with Jesus, um, but at that time they were still very, very much, very much lost. And so uh, it, it was impressed on my mind that to know more about him and to know him are two completely different experiences um, or two different dimensions, if you would. A lot of us, or a lot of people know about the Lord. A lot of people know about Jesus and, 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 and the crucifixion and the Christmas story and the Easter story, and usually that's where a lot of people stop. Um, and so a lot of people have a secondhand experience of what he has done. And so if you, if you get a secondhand experience of what God has done, if you heard about it, if you've read about it, if you had it told to you, then that is considered a secondhand experience, and you know a little bit about him. But when you get a firsthand experience of what he has done for you personally, then that's when you know him for yourself. And so... Um,
the Bible says in that same verse of Scripture that, where is it? And I will, and he saith unto me, follow me, and I will make you. I will make you. And God wants to make us. God wants to make us into what he wants us to be and what he wants us to become. And he wants us to have a personal experience with him. Um, Just talking a little bit about the dimensions of following Jesus is to follow him and know about him and then to follow him and know him are two different things. I've taught a little bit about Thomas. If you were here last week or so, a couple weeks ago, that Thomas was not there when the Lord resurrected and showed himself to his brothers. And his brothers were telling Thomas that they saw the Lord and they and the Lord told them this and that and the other, and Thomas didn't want to believe them. I believe a part of it, and we give Thomas such a bad rap, but I believe a part of it was that Thomas didn't want to have a second-hand experience. He didn't want to know about the Lord. And so the Lord showed up and made himself very personal to Thomas. When God makes himself personal to you, then he doesn't, he, at that moment, Jesus was their resurrection. Jesus was their God. Jesus was their experience, but when Thomas got to put his hands on the side of the master and feel the nail prints on his hands, then the Bible says, uh, which is a very powerful and profound moment to me, is when he fell on his knees and says, my Lord and my God. And God didn't, wasn't just theirs, God became, became mine. And so there's that dimension of following the Lord where we go beyond just knowing about him and hearing about him and, 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 and the stories about him and the legends about him, but where those things happen in our own lives and we experience it, then he becomes ours. He becomes ours. And so can I say that God wants everyone in here to experience him for themselves? Amen. God wants to make himself real in our lives and for us to uniquely know God for ourselves. And I felt the Lord impress upon me to let someone know this morning that you have heard about God all your life. You've heard about him. You've heard about what he's done for others. But I want you to know that he wants to make himself personal to you. He wants you to know him for yourself. He wants you to have an experience He wants you to have and experience the same thing all of us or the majority of us in here have and have. And it's the reason why we keep coming back Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. A life committed to Christ to follow him, not just merely to be, but to be committed and to to, uh, identify with who he is. And I will say that all of us here under the sound of my voice are here because at some point in our lives God called us. God called us. He dealt with our spirit. If you would go back into your memory that somewhere along your life, God spoke to you in a very soft whisper as he begins to beckon you and call you to him because no man comes to the Lord except the Lord draws him. I always thought that is so interesting. Those, You know why some of those people who aren't here this morning is the Lord hadn't quite called them yet. He hasn't drawn them yet. But I'm glad that scripture says that he's not willing that and he should perish, but that all should come into repentance. And so he's working on calling your family. He's working on calling our friends. He's working on calling our loved ones. But if you're here this morning, you're not here on just a whim. You're not here on just a whim. God is not a God by accident. God is not a God by coincidence, but he's a God of divine purpose. 
and that he puts you here for a reason. He puts you here for a reason. You're here this morning. You're here this morning because the Lord has been dealing with you. I don't know what he's been dealing with you about. None of us here knows what God's been dealing with you about, but you keep showing up because God is calling you and he's drawing you. You're not just experimenting with what you're feeling. You're not just experimenting with what what, what um, uh, you're hearing, but God is dealing with you and he's calling you to a closer relationship with him that you've never had before. And so, <clears throat> and that's why you're here. And that's why he showed up in the lives of the apostles who were, the Bible says, Peter and Andrew were in the middle of casting their net. Casting their net. I don't know about you, but if I'm having a pretty good fishing trip, I'm not dropping my rod just to follow anybody. Have you ever been fishing with us at Lake Livingston? You throw a shoelace in there. They'll bite it. So if the fish is biting that good, we'll be there a while. But in the middle of them casting their net and, and in the middle of you in our, in our busyness, in, in, in the middle of us being so, so, so busy with, with our lives, Jesus has the ability to deal with us and walk into the midst of all that and call us and beckon us. And someone in here, you've been pretty busy. Life has been busy. You've got all kinds of things going on. You're in the middle of casting a net and God just walked up into your life and said, hey, why don't you come? Why don't you come and experience me for yourself? Amen. God's here this morning for you to experience him for yourself. I always find it interesting that they dropped everything and just followed him. They just followed him. and Either Matthew leaves out details or that's what they really did, and I believe that's what they, they really did. They didn't pack their suitcase. They didn't go and look for food. They didn't go and say goodbye to anybody. No goodbye, farewell, phone call, nothing like that. The Bible says they literally dropped everything and followed him. John and James left their father mending the nets to follow him. I don't know if that would have rolled over very well if I did that to my dad. Leave him with all the work. So... But to follow him, follow him. And I believe that's exactly what, what they did. But then it dawned on me that, you know, if you follow the Lord, he'll take care of you. He'll take care of you. Matthew 6 and 25, the word of the Lord says, let me see where I'm at on my time. Matthew 6 and 25 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life and what you shall eat, what you'll drink, nor for your body and what you'll put on. It's not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Are you not much better than they? Can I tell you, you're much better than them. And God will take care of you. And when you follow, choose and make the decision to follow Christ and to follow Jesus, he's going to take care of you. Amen. We, have, we live in a very anxious society. Highly anxious society, anxious about every little thing, every little thing. You know, in the middle of us buying this home, I was keeping up with uh, the the interest rates, and it's pretty it's pretty incredible. I mean, well below four four percent. If any of you who have a home, 
four, well below 4%, but because our president has some contentions with China, all of a sudden interest rates begin to drop. Then things begin to be good with, with China, and the interest rates begin to go back up. And then you have this whole inquiry about impeachment, and then rates begin to go back down. And so people get very anxious with their money and things that go on in, in the world. And so we live in a very, and I, I mean, my goodness, I, could, I, I didn't know when to lock my interest rate in. It just changed so much. I never thought I'd pray for us to have something good going on with China so that I have a good house rate. But, hey, I did. I don't know what our president's doing, but let him wake up and tweet something good about China so that I can lock my rate in today. I'm going to shifty shift to something else. I did that. For, okay, I won't say. That's the inside joke. But anyways, so um, Matthew 6, so, so very, very, very anxious society. But, you know, if you choose to follow the Lord, I just want to tell somebody, he's going to take care of you. He's going to give you. You don't have to just worry about him. Keep his business first. I want to teach you a little bit about that this morning. Keep his business. You know, I learned a long time ago, if you keep the Lord's business, your business, he'll keep your business, his business, and he will take care of you. Amen. He will take care of you. The lilies, the flowers out here on the road are very beautiful, and God gives them clothing. Solomon in all of his glory is in array as one of these wonderful flowers you see in Baytown. But God will take care of you. Amen. So, Another thing I, 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 want, I want to note is, um, can, I, can, I remind, can I remind us and all of us this morning that the greatest call you can have is the call that God has for your life and what you can do for him. Amen. God's calling is more important than our trade or our paycheck. And the work that we do for him is so much, so much greater. Amen. If you're a Sunday school teacher, which none of them are here this morning, in here this morning, they'll be here in the main service, but that's the greatest calling you can do is to teach a child about the love of God. Amen. If you're playing a musical instrument, that's the greatest thing you can do or you're making music for the Lord. If you're preaching or teaching, that's the greatest thing you can do. Anything you have involved in God and the ministry of God is the greatest calling that you can have. God called Peter and Andrew away from a productive trade so that they can be productive spiritually tell you the most important thing in our lives is not to be productive in our trade, but to be productive spiritually, because that is what matters. Amen. If Peter did not choose to follow the Lord that day, no one would remember him to this day, but because he decided to leave his net and everything behind and follow the Lord, you have great cathedrals all over Europe named after him, and we remember him to this day. If you choose to follow the Lord, he'll make you somebody. He'll make you somebody important. Amen. So, I want to quickly compare. I'm going to jump to the, the three um, different dimensions of following Jesus. The first dimension, and I, I, I read the Amplified Bible, and I, I love it. It's my second uh, version besides the King James that I like to read, and, um, and I highly suggest it to you if, you if you're looking for another version to read. But it talks about three different dimensions of following the Lord. The first one is merely being in his presence regardless of personal belief and commitment. So let me tell you, when I first came to the Lord, some of you know my story many, many years ago. Um, with a Catholic background, 
And all I've ever been to is the Catholic Church and been in a Catholic service. So if you're a Catholic of any kind this morning, you know what it's like to go from a Catholic environment to a Pentecostal environment. I mean, PTSD shell shock. It's the only thing I can say. And so um, it's completely on the other end of the pendulum. Uh, but, you know, I, I be, you know, God was calling me like he does all of us. And so I was here, and I wasn't just merely here, but God was dealing with me about a lot of things in my life as a teenager. And so I was here, and I was just, I was just here. I didn't know what I believed. I, didn't, I had a personal belief system. I wasn't committed to anything. I was just here. And all of us go through this stage. Some of us are here in that stage right now that we're just merely here. We really don't know if this is for us. We're just trying to experience God for ourselves. But I want to tell you this is a very first and foremost very important part of following him is just being being here. I talked a little, about, a little bit about that last week, but I was just showing up, me and a van full of other high school kids in service. I was just, I was just here. <clears throat> and regardless of my personal belief and, and commitment, but in, in the midst of that, I began to feel that God started to call me to something a little bit, a little bit higher. You know, back in the, old, the, the, the New Testament, the Bible says, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. There were thousands of people that came just to be at church. They came just to be where Jesus was. They weren't committed. They weren't sold to a belief. They weren't sold to a, um, uh, 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 to a system. They just wanted to simply be there, show up, and see what would what would happen. And so that's the first part of following. That's the first dimension is just being there, and, and just being there, just merely seeing what it was ab- about. I had a handful of friends that came with me, and we all just wanted to be here because we didn't know what was going to happen that night. I really showed up not so that I can pray or so that I can receive God. I just wanted to see what some of y'all would start doing. And sometimes it was a show, let me tell you. Sometimes it was a show. But, you know, I begin to see God do incredible things in our, in our services that he still does today. Amen. I, I got to see people speaking in tongues. Oh, my gosh, that freaked me out. People getting healed. I saw people getting delivered from addictions. And as a 17-year-old kid who the only exciting thing in your life was video games, man, this was something else. And it was incredible. And so I went from merely, I went from the first dimension of following the Lord, which is just being here, being gathered, to some, something higher. And that was the second dimension of following the Lord that many of us have done. And if you, and if you haven't, I highly, highly encourage you this morning, and that is to accept, accept and identify the salvation that he offered. So I was... I was, I was here, being here is the first dimension. The second dimension is believing it. The second dimension is believing it. And so, besides showing up and seeing who all would run the aisles the fastest, or seeing what God would do, a man stepped behind this pulpit, and he began to preach a message and a doctrine of salvation that I have never heard before in my life. I'm not preaching this morning, but I felt it so 
impressed upon me as I was studying this, to talk very briefly on this. He impressed a doctrine and a message on me that was so profound that I have never heard growing up in the Catholic Church. And so he, he said that in order for a man to be saved, you have to repent of your sins. You have to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that God would fill you with his spirit. The evidence of speaking in another language you didn't understand. And this was very, very foreign to me. Because growing up, I, I learned that confession could only be made to a priest. I didn't know you could confess to God. I thought that salvation was connected to me receiving communion on a weekly basis. Which is water and wine. I mean, which is a, a wine and bread. And I thought that the Spirit naturally lived in all of us, but I was, I was very, very, very wrong. And I began to learn that I don't have to confess to a priest. Amen. I can confess to God directly. That was incredible. And that He would hear my repentance, and not only that, but forgive me of all my sins. I mean, can I tell you, God will forgive you of all your sins this morning. Amen. You don't have to go confess to a priest. You don't have to go confess to, to Brother Grant anything. You can just tell it to God, and he will hear you, and he will forgive you. And then I learned that communion was not just a physical acceptance of his body and blood by eating bread and drinking wine, but by repenting, I am dying. By repenting, I am dying. Colossians 2 and 12, buried with him. In baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who had raised him from the dead. Philippians 3 and 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Last verse of scripture, Romans 6 and 3, or do you not, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism. I learned that the crucifixion of the Lord, his journey, his death, his burial, and his resurrection was tied to something I had to do very physically and very symbolically. And I learned that his death was tied to my repentance. I learned that his, bap- his, bap- his, his burial was tied to my baptism. And I learned that his resurrection was tied to me receiving his spirit. And it was profound. It was profound. Did you know that the Lord, when he said that, he lost a lot of disciples? John chapter 6. John chapter 6 tells us, I'm going to hurry, hurry and come to a close here. Bear with me a couple more minutes. If you're suffering, I'm sorry. John chapter 6, verse 54. And he had had a lot of disciples. A lot of people were showing up. A lot of people were just there to see what God would do. They were there to see his miracles. They enjoyed the thrill. They, they liked seeing the dead raise and different miracles that he did. But then the Lord got serious, and he called them beyond just being there. He began to preach to them 
a, a, a message or a doctrine of salvation. And he says this in verse 54, Whoso eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. I in him. Verse 60 says, when the disciples heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew it in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? Watch, watch this here. And then in verse 66, from that time, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Walked no more with him. He lost a lot of people in the transition of being there to believing it. He lost a lot of people. But then he turned unto the twelve and said to Simon Peter, answers, uh, turned turn to Simon Peter and said, Will you also go away? And he asked Peter and he asked the rest of the apostles, Are you ready? Are you ready to go beyond just being there? Are you ready to believe it? And Peter said, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. Amen. God wants to call us beyond just being here. And sometimes just being here is a great thing. My goodness, this morning all I could do is be here. After trying to put two kids, I don't know how y'all do it with three or four, my goodness. But just trying to get two kids here. Just being here is a miracle in and of itself a lot of times. But God wants to call us beyond just being here on Sunday. He wants to call you. He wants to call you beyond just showing up. He wants you to believe it. He wants you to believe it. Acts 2 and 38. And Peter said unto them, The same man who went beyond just being there and believing it said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. The foundational scripture of our, of our movement and our fellowship. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Can I tell you, if you don't have that and if you have not done that, the promise is for you this morning. Amen. The promise is for you like it was for me, like it was for all of us under the sound of my voice. God wants you to go beyond just being here. He wants you to believe it, and he doesn't want to lose you during that transition. And the last dimension I want to share with you, and I close with this, is being, not just being there, not just believing it, but being identified with who he is. Being identified with who he is. You know, that is the greatest purpose, that is the greatest calling, and that's the reason all of us exist in this building, is to be like him. Is to be like him. He told Jeremiah, go to the potter's house and watch the work that the potter works on the wheel. Because I'm working on him, and I'm trying to conform him to my image. Romans 8 and 28. For whom he did foreknow, he also pre- predestinate. Can I tell you in here this morning, if you don't know, God foreknew you long before you existed. Can I tell you that God predestinated all of us for one thing, to be conformed to the image of his son. 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It's not just being here. It's not just believing, but it's living a life to where we conform to his image. It's looking like him. It's talking like him. It's walking like him. It's loving like him. It's having compassion like him. It's forgiving like him. Reaching others like him. Hands and feet. Hands and feet. His hands and his feet. I told you a couple weeks ago the story of my wife and one of our young ladies being mistaken for being Jewish in the middle of a mall in Baybrook by a bunch of Islamics. That's the greatest thing that can happen. That's the greatest greatest thing. I told my wife, don't ever forget that. If they can if they look at you and think you look like him, you've got it right. You've got it right. You have achieved the third part in the third dimension of following him, and that is being identified with him. Amen. Amen. I can't wait to look and be identified with him. Did you know that Peter, after being with the Lord for so many so many years, seeing so many miracles, walking on the water, being tested by God, and Peter said, I'll follow you unto death. You know the story of Peter's denial? What gave him away? He looked, he talked, he spoke just like Jesus. And because he did that, he was worthy of the same death. And he got so afraid, and he, he could not make that last transition. He ultimately did. But that transition of being identified with him, Peter was very afraid of. Amen. And so, I close to say that some of you, it goes beyond just being here. And, and, and I, I, I applaud you for being here, everyone, this morning. I applaud you for being here. But it goes beyond just that. It goes into believing. Amen. Believing that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he has a purpose and a plan for your life, that salvation is repentance and baptism, and God wants to fill you with his spirit, and then he goes beyond that into living a life to where you identify and look, breathe, and act just like him. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. Let's all stand this morning. I have a lot of some of my friends in here this morning. You guys work in the oil and gas industry, and some of you tell me, it's a very vile environment a lot of times, but from the stories of what some of you are telling me, how they are careful about what they say about you, or they know that you are you are the godly light in your environment, I think that that is incredible because you have identified with who he is. Amen. At my job, they know who the preacher is. And, 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 and the manager, I told you a couple weeks ago, Brother Grant's been trying to uh, ask me to teach a little bit more on, on Wednesday Due to various things, he's been busy. And I said, I said, Miss Karen, I, I can't, I can't leave Katie at six. And try to get here by seven thirty in that in that traffic. And my, my pastor needs me to teach. And she says, you know what? Why don't I just rearrange your schedule? And uh, you leave earlier on Wednesday. You can stay later on Monday. I said, I think that is wonderful. And so, I don't want to just be here. I want to believe it. And I don't want to just believe it. I want to identify with who he is.
Amen. To be conformed to his image, to be conformed to anything in this world. That is your purpose, and that is why you were created, to be conformed to his image. And that wherever you are, people see Jesus. Amen. In everything that you do. Lord, we love you. Thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for helping me to teach. I pray that it was beneficial for somebody. God, help us not just to be here. Help us not just to believe it, but help us, God, to identify with this with this life, with your life, your words, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your, your attendance. Thank you for standing. Uh, we're going to take a little break here, and, um, and uh, we're going to restart service at, at, at 11 o'clock. So shake hands, be, be friendly, and uh, we'll see you back in about 10, 15 minutes.